Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, it's good to be here. It's good to worship the Lord together. It's awesome to be able to come together as a church. You know, the beauty of, of, of coming together as a church or the church itself is that it's not a bunch of people that have um, reached a goal or that we are, uh, like, let's say, yeah, we are holy in position, but we're all in this journey. And one of the things that God wants to do, he, he wants to bring healing to our hearts, and he wants to be personal. Um, and I've shared many times in my past, being raised in a religious setting and feeling that I'm never good enough, or I have to do this and I have to do that to earn God's favor, and uh, where everything was put on performance. And it's so amazing that this morning we can approach the throne of God freely, freely and with freedom. And, and we can draw close to him because of Jesus. And I just want you to, to realize that as, we are, as I'm going to share God's word uh, this morning. I just want you to realize that God wants to reveal himself to you. And he wants to walk with you. And he wants you to walk in freedom. He doesn't want you to, to be a slave to, to sin, a slave to um, things, uh, things that would hold you back. Uh, the picture I have, it's, it's I don't want to be a, a sailboat in a bottle where you have this beautiful sailboat that has so much potential to cruise the oceans and be caught in a bottle. And I believe it's, it's, it's easy in life to take hold of offenses and to take uh, things or to be like this ball of Velcro where we get all these stuff. And the last thing I would want to be is to be 85 and to be a bitter man and to be filled with bitterness and frustration and anger. And I really believe that Christ has called us for freedom. And I just invite you this morning, as I share my heart to you, that you would take hold of freedom. We just had a set free retreat. And one of our value as a church is it's to experience freedom. And I, and I believe it's not just a one-shot deal. It's a, it's a journey. And um, as we become vulnerable and that, and that we also uh, acknowledge our humanity uh, and we also um, realize that we're broken and we need Jesus to come and, and, and re- reveal himself to us and love on us so that he would flow in us and flow through us. Amen? I would ask you to stand and we're just going to place yourself before the Lord. If you want to stretch your hand in front of you as a symbolness of your openness to what God wants to tell you this morning. Lord God, we... We come before you and uh, we just don't want to go through this service and just hear a word. We want to hear what you have to say and we want to receive what you want to do in our hearts. God, we thank you so much that the love that you have for us is so amazing and, and we don't deserve it. And, 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 but you want to love on us and you want to fill our hearts with hope, with joy, with peace and you want to Reveal yourself to us so that we would walk in freedom, that we would walk in liberty, that we would not be uh, bottled up or we would not be chained down, but we would be able to love the way that you want us to love, that we would be able to be free to worship, free to be examples, free to love uh, um, uh, the woman of, of the, for me, to love the woman of my life and love my kids and, and, and to be free in in being an ambassador for you. So, Father, may you have your way in this place, and may you speak to us. We say yes to what you want to say. Pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. If, if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And uh, these verses are some of the most powerful verses in the Bible uh, when it comes to what the Lord has done for us. And um, it talks about our mission, but it talks about where we are when it comes to our positioning in Christ. And it says in verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. In other words, we've stopped judging people according to what we see. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, point of view how differently we know him now, right? It changes everything. When you meet with Jesus, it changes everything. To have an outside perspective of Jesus and to be in with Jesus, your, your vision, your, your, um, your image of Jesus changes, eh? And it says in verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. What an awesome verse, right? It's an amazing verse. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Unreal. I don't deserve that, right? In many occasions, we walk in guilt and condemnation. We have a problem to believe that verse. Can you tell your neighbor that this verse is for real? It's for real. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God, has, uh, sorry, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no, long, no longer counting people's sin against them. That's an, another amazing phrase, right? No longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful, it's, it's a wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And that was a message of the Apostle Paul. Come back to God. He was especially talking in this to, to the Jews in, in, the, um, in Asia. Uh, and he, he was saying to them, hey, guys, come back to God. You heard about the old covenant, but there's a new covenant, and it's found in Jesus. It's not about performance. It's not about works. It's about receiving the gift. It's about surrendering your life to Christ. It's, a, it's about absorbing the work of Christ on Calvary. And because of that, I can have a new start. I receive a new name. I have a new identity. Pretty cool, right? It's like I'm not haunted by the past. I'm not controlled by the past. I don't have to walk with guilt. I don't have to do certain things to have his favor. I have his favor because Jesus died for me, and I'm one with Christ. I'm seated in the heavenlies with Christ at the right hand of the Father. It's hard to imagine, but that's my positioning in Christ. At the same time, how I was raised and even how I was trained in my early years of ministry when I was in seminary. I remember doing um, counseling 101, counseling 201, counseling 301. And, and then the, the thought is, how do you counsel people? And as a pastor, well, one of the things you're, you should be able to do to some degree, at a certain level, it's to counsel people, right? But I, I remember being in the class, and, and then the teacher was talking to us about counseling, and actually, we were all messes. <laughs> the reality is, I needed to be counseled. I, I needed help. And, and he was to giving us principle of what to do, but at the same time, there was never this platform of addressing the things in our own hearts. 
This thought was that when you gave your life to the Lord, you were all fixed up, you were all fine and dandy, and now, like, chop, chop, move on. Now you are a new creation. All things is past, and everything is now new. So you should not have any problems with your soul. Or like when it comes to my mind, my emotion, and my will. And the reality, it's not true. When, when you accept Christ into your life, he comes and he dwells by the Holy Spirit in your spirit. But when it comes to my soul, when it comes to things that people said to me, things that I carried my self-image, when it comes to uh, temptation and, and self-inflicted wounds by uh, going to sin to try to medicate my problems and, and all of this, it, I, 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 I carry stuff and I'm hurting in the inside. So what happened is that we were a bunch of people there that were hurting inside, and, and then we were asked and called to go and help others, but we were, were self, ourself, we were broken. And I remember going in my first year of ministry and, and seeing so many good people drift away from the faith because of heart issues. It's like they tried on their own to deal with their stuff, or they tried to pretend it was not important. They tried to, uh, they tried to do life with this baggage, and really, in some of them, they couldn't, care, they, they couldn't go on anymore. And so they felt in guilt and felt in condemnation. It's like, for example, someone that struggles with sin, struggles with sin, and then falls and slips into sin, and then asks God's forgiveness, and again slips into sin, and he comes to a point and says, what's the point anymore? Like, might as well go all in because, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a nobody, I, I, I'm, I'm a jerk. So what happens is you, you find yourself in this condemnation mode, and then what you think is that there's no hope for you, and you walk in condemnation. And when you do that, you fall in the trap of the enemy. And what happens is that we have glazed eyes, and we might be in church, and it doesn't penetrate our heart anymore because we are under guilt, and we feel there's no hope for us. And it's not from zero to 100, and you might find yourself in that scale somewhere where you feel like, wow, what's the point? You might not verbalize it, but internally, this is how you're thinking. And when you do this, you miss out on the grace of God. And it's not, I'm not saying here that you live in sin and you walk in sin and who cares? It's all fine and dandy. No, I believe like what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive him, right? So I come before God with transparency, with humility, and I say, God, Take all of my heart. And I don't, listen to this, I don't want to lose that heart. I don't want to have, I don't want to lose that tender heart of wanting to be free and coming before God. But what I want to share to you this morning, I, I, want, to, I, I want to share to you that you don't have to live life in guilt and condemnation, and you don't have to live life unhappy and miserable because Jesus came for your freedom. He came to set us free. And as a church, one of our value is freedom. And we, and we are in our DNA series where we talk about our values. And the value that we have is for us to experience freedom. Freedom from sin, but also freedom from condemnation. Because there's many of us that we're miserable. We don't have the joy. We don't have the peace because we're carrying stuff that we shouldn't carry. We carry resentment, and it eats us up. We got things that we carry from 15, 10 years ago. We, 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 it's kind of engraved, tattooed in our mind. People that you'll never be able to, 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 to walk on the same side of the sidewalk with because you're so, you're so caught up. So you don't want to live caught up. You want to experience Christ on, on, on a freedom way where, where he brings you freedom. So 
The reality is we all get hurt. But I need to realize that Jesus came for my freedom. If you look at Isaiah 61, and Jesus also quotes this when he was in the synagogue in Nazareth, when he, uh, when he uh, declares himself as the Messiah. And Isaiah 61 prophesies the coming of the Messiah. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. He came for freedom. As a father, it's important for me to be free for my kids. I want my kids to walk in freedom. I don't want to see my, I don't want to see my kids look at me and see myself being caught by bitterness or to have emotional blockage or unforgiveness in my heart. Because I, that's the pattern I'm teaching them. I, I don't want to see that in my marriage where I have a wedge between me and my wife. I, I want to experience freedom. And that's where the tire hits the road. I, I could be here and say, do this and do that, and, and we can focus on the superficial, but what's really a matter is the condition of my heart. And God wants to bring freedom in my heart. That's the good news, that first he reconciles you with God, through, you're reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, and that's the foundation, but also it's to walk in freedom and to stay free, amen? I believe that God wants you to stay free. He doesn't want you to be caught, caught up, because this is what Jesus came to do. So how do I walk in freedom? How do I Take a hold of this truth of freedom. Well, the thing is, I need to bring it to God. I need to bring my stuff to God. I need to open up to God. Did you know it's hard to open up? If you're, I was going to say, if you're a man, I don't think it has to do with gender, but, but I guess I'm looking at my own example. It's hard to open up. You know, sometimes my wife has to come with a crowbar. I'm like this oyster and get that crowbar in, you know, because it's so hard for me to open up. But I need to open up to God. I, it's not about looking good and I can do this. H how are you, Claude? I'm good. Uh, doing well all the time. But inside, I'm falling apart, right? But I've got an image to keep, you know? I don't want to have this image to keep with God. I, I want to be vulnerable. And this is where God honors humility. God resists the proud, but blesses the humble. And so we want to have a tender heart, right? And that's, if you remember one thing of my message this morning, God doesn't want you to have a hard heart. And a hard heart doesn't happen overnight. It's little by little that you harden your heart when you choose out of your will to harden your heart. And sometimes we harden our heart to protect ourselves because we got hurt. But it's not the way to go. Because if you protect your heart for not to get hurt, well, the thing next time when you're called to show love, you won't be able to because that's going to be the, the, the cap over your life that will prevent yourself of loving. So this is why I need to go to God all the time. I need to go to Him and pour my heart to Him and say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. Oh, help me on this, God. I'm tired of this. You just pour it out. And when you do this, something happens inside of you. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger, harsh words. Get rid of slander as well as all type of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So I cannot do verse 30, 
32 without 31. You know, we, we want to go to 32, where we say, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgive, forgiving one another, just as, God, uh, uh, just as God through Christ has forgiven me. I cannot forgive, I cannot have a tender heart if I bottle in stuff. Because whatever is in me will come out. I can fake it for a while. I can pretend it for a while. I can show the image that it's all fine and dandy. But in a crisis, in a situation, what do you think is going to come out? The abundance of the heart will come out, right? So when I look at this, this verse, I'm called to get rid. And how do I get rid? It's to experience the power of repentance. Like I said, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive him. So you go before God and you confess your sin. You say, God, I want to be free. I don't want to carry this anymore. You know what sometimes what happens is that we say, oh, life is like this. I'm called to be. I'm it's kind of normal or we adopt bitterness. We adopt um, harsh words in our marriage, right? And let's say, for example, uh, you come to a point in marriage where there's no more filter. You don't care anymore. Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no more filter. You don't want to get to this point. Listen, you don't want to get to this point in your marriage, in your relationship, where there's no filter. It's not, it's not good. Feel, it may feel good. <laughs> it may feel good not to have a filter, right? Ah, it's out. Praise God. Did I, did I have a good response, right? Well, was I quick on this one? It's not good. You're just putting fire. You're just hurting people around. You know, and so you, you want to have a filter. It's beyond, listen, the filter is beyond self-will. The filter is about change heart. That's the filter, is having a, a change heart where God intervenes and touches us. Look what it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, and Jesus says this, and he says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you, your sins. Just focus on if you hold anything against your brother, forgive. Hold anything. Think about what you're holding. Holding. Like, like I'll talk about that in a moment. That my mind is a battlefield, and there's a lot of things coming through my mind. But what am I catching and holding on to? What am I holding on in my marriage? What am I holding on when it comes to the church or uh, co-workers, even when it comes to society, the government, whatever. What am I holding on to? You know? And it's hard to let go, right? Sometimes our, our, our knuckles are quite white. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit has to pry our fingers open, right? We don't want to let go. Because the, the reason why we don't want to let go is because we're offended. We got hurt. And Jesus says, when you go and you stand in my presence, don't hold on. Because remember what the Father showed you? Or remember, uh, well, first of all, they, they saw it after his death and his resurrection. They got the full picture of grace. And they, under, and they saw that Jesus came to die to reconcile us. And that is the expression, the ultimate expression of forgiveness. But Jesus says, do not hold on. I have a question for you. What are you holding on? If you just stop for a moment, especially when it comes to your relationships, what are you holding on to? 
We could have, if we would have a lot of time, I would probably stop here for 10 minutes and I would say, ask God to show you what you're holding on. And I would ask you to journal and write down what, you, what God shows you on what you are called to let go. And we don't have time for that. And you can do that after if you want. But what are you holding on to? What are you holding on if I take another spin of words that were said to you that told you that you were not, you were like this or you were like that and you believe them? And it influences your destiny because you believe that lie that was said about you. Maybe when you were a kid, when someone said something, a teacher, a figure of authority had said something to you that just kind of hurts you and now you kind of believe it to some degree. What are you holding on I think it's a, I, I, what I'm sharing to you, it's a principle you can live by when it comes to having your devotion with God. God, am I holding on to something I should not hold on to? And I believe he's going to speak to you because it's not just one shot, it's a journey. But it's so important for us not to hold on, right? We, we're called to hold on to Christ. We're not called to hold on to anything else. So easy to get caught holding on stuff. And sometimes we're not even aware of it right? You just go through life, you get hurt and all that, and, you, and your reaction is to hold on, and you're just doing life like this all this time. You're miserable, and people around you are miserable because you're holding on. So Jesus says, when you go in, in, in prayer, do not hold on, and remember the forgiveness of the Father that has for you. It causes us to, to, to forgive. So it doesn't say here, while well, Claude, yeah, you have a good reason to hold on. Like, in your situation. <laughs> Claude, in, this, in your situation, I understand why you hold on, you know. It's just no. And again, the ultimate example of Jesus on the cross, where he says, forgive them, Lord, when he's crucified being a righteous man that did not deserve to die. Right? So I don't have any reason to hold on. I'm going to go further. Holding on is a sin. When you hold on, it's a sin. So when you hold on against, uh, if you, you have resentment and animosity and, and anger towards people and you don't let go, it's a sin. So you don't want to walk in bondage, you want to experience freedom. I, I like what it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is a way of life where you live a righteous life, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As a believer, I should have this deep sense of peace and joy. And I should have this, this godly walk. And I can't do that on my own. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to joy and peace, this is why I need to go to God. Because this is where he fills me of his joy and peace. I need to experience transformation all the time. I need to experience renewal all the time. Secondly, when it comes to how to walk in freedom, I need to guard my heart. I need to guard my heart. I don't want to be this big Velcro ball, or I don't want to wear this Velcro suit. Wherever I go, I'm getting, you know, I, I, for those that have a dog, right, especially when you go for a, um, you, go, you go camping and you go into trails and, and you got, I don't know how you call them, these plants that just, gets on the, in the hair of your dog, and then you, you, then you look at your dog, he's full of those, I don't know what kind of plants there, but it's like, I call it pick-picks, I'm French background, pick-pick it picks, so, so it's fully, he's full, of, I'll, I'll use that expression, it's full of pick-picks, and then you have to remove the pick-picks, and, and I, I don't want to be that fuzzy poodle <laughs> that goes into the bush and receives and gets all these pick-picks, and I carry them, right? No, 
So, so I want to guard my heart. I got to realize that I have the authority to say no to whatever or to, that, that wants to take, a, take, a, take root into my heart. And that's what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else. It's the, it determines the course of your life. It's the wellspring of life, the NIV version will say. So why do I want to guard my heart? Because it creates a destiny. Look what it says in Hebrew chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, saying to us that we're not the first one to run the race, others, people have run the race before us. And, that's what they, and, and, that's, and these are the examples, the examples that we find in Scripture. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance to mark the race marked for us. And I've said many and many occasions in the last years that I pastored here, pastored here, that we were all made with purpose and significance. And that's my life's message. Doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter the education or the, your IQ or your past, God made you with purpose and significance. And you know what will prevent me of reaching or fulfilling my mandate and my calling? It's the sin that wants to entangles, entangle me. The things that are hindering me or the extra weight that I'm carrying that are preventing me of running my race. So I don't want to get caught into that. So I've got a race marked for me, and I've got to deal with my heart issues that will prevent me. If I don't deal with my heart issues, they will prevent me of running my race. You know, like I said, there's all of us, we were like, like I just mentioned when I started, we were, the, we were these huge sailboats, so much potential. And you, you don't want to have a sailboat that stays at the harbor. It's called to sail. And you don't want to find yourself losing time. Life is so short. You don't want to spin your wheel by carrying extra weight, right, where you can't move on because you were not, car you were not called to carry that. I remember a few years ago, I decided to go buy something in, in, in uh, Alberta, and uh, I had my little Ford, uh, Ford exp uh, uh, I just forgot the, name, the brand of my car here, Escape. And uh, so I get this big trailer in the back of my Ford Escape. <laughs> it was too heavy. <laughs> I was burning gas like crazy. My needle was just going down and just, I just, it was, it was not made for that. I was not made to carry extra weight. And if I carry extra weight, then I can't fulfill my calling, you know? And so, so this is why we find Hebrew chapter 12, verse 1. Get rid of extra weight. It's, and look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, out of the Amplified Version. It says, And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding grudge, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life because it paralyzes you. It stops you in your track. It prevents you of, of being, being what you're called to be and to do what you're called to do. It just takes a hold of your life. I, I've been in the ministry long enough to see people waste their life because of that. And it's never like, again, it's, it, 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 there's this ruler from one to 100. It, it might be halfway. It might be three-quarters way. Like, it doesn't mean that you, you will miss everything, but you might miss a good chunk because you carry stuff in your heart that you shouldn't carry, right? Proverbs chapter 27, verse 3 says, A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but the resentment caused by a fool is even heavier. So... 
there's two ways of seeing this verse. The first one is resent, someone that carries resentment is a fool. Okay? And the, uh, and the other thing is resentment will cause this person to act foolishly. foolishly. The, have you noticed that when you have resentment in your heart, that you will do st- stuff that you wouldn't do because you're filled with resentment and you, it influences you and it takes a hold of your heart and causes you to behave in a certain way? So you want to guard your heart. Thirdly, how do you deal with inner freedom? I need, to, I need to learn to trust God. I need to learn to trust God. Like Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So we know that God is with me. And I believe that we have trust issues. We have a problem to trust. Especially in the era we live now, we don't trust anybody. We're afraid of being gypped. We're afraid of government. We're afraid of authority. We're afraid of everything. And I think we're afraid to trust God too. We, we, we're, we, we have a tendency of looking over God's shoulder because we want to be in charge. We live in a society where we want to be in charge of our own ship, right? We have our own things. We are not dependent on each other. Like if you go back, even when I was a kid, neighbors would help each other. Now it doesn't happen. We, we park, we arrive in our driveway, we park in the garage, and we see it in our neighbor, we'll see you next year, basically, right? I know it's because of the coal we live in Canada, but... We live in dependent lifestyle. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's so important for us not to, not to carry stuff in the way that we play God, but that we trust God. Got to trust Him. Like Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, learn not, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. But to trust the Lord with all your heart. So when you trust God, there's going to be less chance for you to take in resentment because you know that God's going to take care of it. When I live like a son and not like an orphan, I don't have to, I don't have to fend for my rights if I'm a son because I'm, I know that Father will care for me. And I get up in the morning, I know that Father has me in the palm of his hands. When things go rough, like when you, life is like a um, snake and ladder game, right? Why, I love the ladder. Woohoo! You know, you get closer to the goal. But there's some snakes, and that brings you down. If you don't know the game, it's like you hit a snake, and it brings you down the game. And it's, it's a bummer to hit a snake. But the reality is life has a lot of snakes. So how, how do I deal with this? I've got to trust God. I've got to believe that God sees things, that God is with me, that God will make a way. I've got to, I've got to know this, that when I take a hold of the truth that God is with me, ah, I breathe so easier because it's not done. So I don't want to live like an orphan that fends for himself. I want to live like a son or like a daughter. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says, don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will pay back, says the Lord. In other words, let God be God. You don't be God. But look what you're called to do. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. And the reason why you do this is not to put burning coals over his head, because otherwise you don't have love, right? Look at what it says in verse 21. Don't don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Amazing, right? So what is my call to do? I'm called to do what I'm called to do. 
to be biblical to love and, and to be the extension of God. And God will take care of the rest. Can you believe that? That God will take care of the rest. That this too will pass. That God will intervene if I give him a chance. If I allow him in my life. If I learn to trust. Number four, how do I walk in freedom? I need to manage my thought life. If I have unresolved issues, it will manage my thought life. Listen, if I have unresolved issues in my heart, it will manage my thought life because I will see according to what is in my heart. Whatever people will do, if I have bitterness towards someone, whatever the person do, I will have a tendency of uh, my interpretation will be probably negative. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You bring your thought captive. It's like you're a police officer. You control traffic in your mind. But if I have unresolved issue in my heart, let's say I struggle with unforgiveness, well, un unforgiveness, things that will justify my unforgiveness will come in, and I will have a tendency of saying, oh, you can park. You have room. Because this is my filter. This is how I'm seeing stuff, right? So I want to see God here heal my heart because I want to have a renewed mind. And Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I want to see God's word, God's principle to change me in the inside so that I might have a, a, a biblical screen of interpretation, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, and know, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Can you tell your neighbor, Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So like I said, it's a, it's a, my mind is a battlefield and there's a lot of traffic, but I've got to fix my thoughts on what is godly. I've got to speak to myself, hey, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to let that park in, my, in the lane of my mind. And, and this is how you prevent bitterness to grow it's a lot easier to remove a, a weed than a tree right and what we've what what what, ha, what have what has happened in, in life we've let trees grow and now it's a little harder but thank god god is still able to remove them as we submit and repent but it's all it's way easier to remove the weed than the tree so the earlier you start the better off and my last point here i need to let people in my life I don't want to live life with my cord close to my chest. This is the beauty of the church. And this is like you look at a set free, people go to a set free, and it's hard because you become vulnerable, but we're all in the same boat. There's no one here. Like if I'm speaking, it's not because I'm better than you. Just, I just got this call that God asked me to speak, and here I am. It's not about seniority. We, we are all under grace. And imagine if we're able to show our cards instead of keeping our cards close to our chest. And we're afraid of being discovered because we're afraid of what people will think of us. You know, it, it, that's secondary to what God thinks of us. God loves us and cares for us. Imagine if we would create, listen, I'm going to end up with this. Imagine if we would create a culture of being able to show our cards. How amazing it would be. Well, the problem is that when someone shows us our card, we're picking at the card, and we're keeping our card close to our chest. <laughs> because the moment you show your cards, well, hmm, you're in trouble too. But I believe that in some ways, the church has created a culture of keeping our cards close to our chest. 
And so it's not the way to go. We need other people. We need to have accountability where people are able to speak the truth without feeling condemned and feeling rejected, but to say, I need help. To create a culture where it's okay to ask for help. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.